0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Being a gardener or nature lover engages us like little else on all levels, in all dimensions, senses, and seasons. We can hear, we can taste, we can see and smell. We can touch and we are moved to feel it's perhaps why these passions are so deeply ingrained in us in all cultures across time. Tova Martin is a beloved gardener and garden writer who makes her home on a farm known as Furthermore in Connecticut. She's well known for her writings on indoor plants and gardening, Her first book was Once Upon a Windowsill, published in 1988. She's equally well known, though, for her evocative explorations of Tasha Tudor's gardening life, of old-fashioned heritage plants and flowers, and her writings in garden publications, including Garden Design, Gardens Illustrated, and Martha Stewart Living. In those contributions, she regularly introduces us as readers to compelling home gardens around the country. Her new book is a particular treat, in my opinion, as we follow her in a four-season exploration into the tangible joys and full sensory experience that is a garden. The Garden in Every Sense and Season is out now from Timber Press, and Tova joins us from her home at Furthermore to speak more about this truly sensual adventure. Welcome, Tova.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Describe for listeners your current garden and gardening practice there at Furthermore.
1: This garden has a little bit of everything, and I garden... um, I garden outdoors and I also garden inside, which is a little bit unique. Um, I have over 200 house plants and um, I, I do vegetable gardening. I have shrubs, I have annuals, I have perennials, um, mostly perennials. Um, I have berries, I have, um, I, I even have a meadow. So it's a little bit of everything here at Furthermore.
0: How long have you been there, and how big is the space you are cultivating around the home?
1: I've been here since 96, and I I, I gardened seven acres. And so, of course, it's not all intensively gardened, but you know, the the verges, the meadow, etc., that's part of it. That's, that's part of the experience, too. When you're plugging in and you're Uh, really thinking about gardening, you really begin to think more about the peripheral spaces in your life and and in your garden. And I'm always adding sort of an insane manifest destiny is just always happening on my place. I'm always (laughs) moving out, moving the boundaries out.
0: Yeah. You have been a career gardener, garden writer, name in the gardening world, both for your indoor and your outdoor gardening knowledge and sharing. Interestingly, I r- recently interviewed a young woman in New York City who owns The Sill.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Eliza Blank. And she is a 30-something entrepreneur who runs one of the largest indoor plant supply businesses in the country. Mm -hmm. And she definitely credited you, Tova, with inspiring her and educating her with one of your books, Once Upon a Windowsill, The History of Indoor Gardening. So I thought that was a lovely sort of serendipity.
1: That sort of thing sort of makes my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right?
1: It's all about that, you know? It's Mm -hmm. all about—and every project I do, I try— I, I really am a missionary I, I'm trying to sort of wrangle more people to garden but I'm also trying to help people get the most out of their gardening experience and I think that's all part of it
0: because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is it is one of those joys best shared I think
1: yeah it really is I you know last night I was thinking about how the people in gardening are, are just as important to me maybe even more important to me than the plants uh, because we're all kindred spirits and we all share a lot of uh, uh, you know I, I i think the experience is has differences for us all but similarities for us all too
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what were your earliest influences that made you a plant person where where did you grow up and who brought you into this fold of garden plant love?
1: I'm so glad you asked me who, because uh, my life has been filled with mentors, really. And that's part of it. Again, the people are part of it. Uh, I grew up in, uh, well, as, as a young child, I was in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, um, very near Longwood Gardens. And I think I can credit, you know, going to public gardens, and there's some great public gardens in that area. Um, that I credit that with really uh, um, making me into a mad gardener. But uh, I, you know, even I was that little girl as a, I was, I remember being a brownie and I had a drawer full of marigold seeds. I, my project was that I was going to uh, I, I guess maybe cover the world with marigolds or something to like that. I, I, I don't remember there was a badge for it and had drawers full of seeds. I, I remember being that little kid who like tried to plant up every spare inch of ground, literally. And mm-hmm. uh, much to my parents' dismay, I think
0: and were they gardeners?
1: Well, they were garden appreciators. Mm-hmm. I was the I was the real gardener and and they were sort of um trying to come to grips with this person that kept planting and planting and planting and and I'm still doing it today. I I I would like to have absolutely no lawn in my seven acres, but um it's a little bit more than I can handle.
0: Yeah. Where was your first garden on your own?
1: Well, I, you know, I was grew, gardened indoors a lot um, for many, many, many years. I was at Logie's Greenhouses, which is a a family business that um, specialized in house plants and had done it for, you know, generations, literally. And I, uh, so, it was all it i was gardening indoors and and getting that full experience and, and it is a really important experience and and but then i moved here to um, to litchfield county connecticut and I, I i i had this opportunity to garden outdoors uh, on the at furthermore which is what i named the the property and it just started expanding and expanding and expanding and pretty much taking over. I mean, gardening has always been my whole life, but so much so that my neighbors are always, you know, sort of stopping and noticing it.
0: Yeah. How old were you when you first went to Logis?
1: Oh, I was really young. I was, I was just in, in my late teens, actually.
0: And how long were you there?
1: I was there for 25 years.
0: Wow, wow. And so what did you do with them?
1: I was, uh, boy, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was a, uh, I was the Begonia uh, curator, and they had a huge Begonia collection. Mm. I mean, immense, And so I was the Bagonia curator. I also wrote their catalog and photographed their catalog. I ran their mail order department. And I I also curated the herb collection and the geranium collection. (laughs) Oh, and then, and, and I also, not professionally, I also grew an acre of vegetables.
0: Wow. Just for your own use?
1: Well, it was extended families. So every... Uh, part of this very large family sort of had a a, a duty and you know there's a farmer who uh, an uncle had the cows and he did the milk and I did the uh, you know we did the vegetables
0: that's great and so then what took you off to Connecticut?
1: I was actually in Connecticut I was going so western I moved to western Connecticut and um, I came to um I, I came to this lovely little town an idyllic little town and I have a um, 1790 cobbler shop and it's the oldest standing commercial building in town and it's connected to a restored barn and it was such an a, a converted barn actually and it was one of the first converted barn projects um, that ever uh, it was Built, you know, I I bought it as a converted barn, so it's this really quaint little town, and and one of the smallest towns in Connecticut actually, and um, everybody who walks their dog in town pretty much walks their dog by my house, so it's very much a community type of garden. It's important to me, and the first garden that I put in. I put in going from this little cobbler shop to the road, to the little street, and it was on purpose because I wanted it to be a part of the community. I wanted people to notice. I wanted to be that crazy lady that, that kids would say, Mom, that lady is always like head down and butt up. <laughs>
0: in flowers and fruit and foliage.
1: Yeah, that she's like immersed. And and sure enough, kids have come to me that have talked to their classroom or something. And they'll say, I know who you are. <laughs> you know, it's very cute. They'll see me in the supermarket later on, and they'll say, you're that lady.
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So you you moved to the farm. When did you start your writing career, Tova? Because you are well known for your beautiful way with writing about gardens, about gardeners. People might be familiar if they're not familiar with your Once Upon a Windowsill and the next one after that, they might be aware of your book um, on the gardens of Tasha Tudor. How did you get started in garden writing? And tell us about your earliest books.
1: Um, I will first thank you for call, uh, mentioning that it looks like a farm because I very much want it to feel rural. And I want it to feel like it's integrating the farm with cultivated landscape and and the natural landscape that's all really important like seminal to the whole project here or the whole essence of furthermore but i started uh, writing actually i was i was always a writer i think you are uh you're, you're like born that way maybe and so i was i as a very young child i could I couldn't type yet, but I decided that I was gonna type a book. Um, it was co- uh, it was called Anne's Woods and it was about just being out in nature. Um, and so, you know, I was like so young. I was, I must've been like eight or something like that. I, you know, I've always been writing, I've always been scribbling thoughts, but I didn't really have a chance to do it until uh, you know, I grew up and began to garden, and then I began to write for the New York Times and all sorts of places. I, You know, there was a, a moment when I realized that I had to stop just stuffing things into drawers, you know, pieces of paper with little scribbles <laughs> on them into drawers, and I, I should try to publish it and share it.
0: What was your first publication?
1: Uh, my first, one of my very earliest um, writings was um, I actually collaborated with a very well known writer named Alan Lacy. Mm. And Alan Lacey and I uh, started writing for the New York Times together and for Horticulture Magazine as as a team. Uh, it was really fun because he was a philosopher. And it brought a kind of a wonderful configuration to the table. Um, i I really enjoyed doing that and and he sort of gave me the courage to uh, put myself out there and and um I was a little bit shy and i was I remember standing outside of the offices of horticulture magazine too frightened to go in and one of the staff came out one of my editors actually came out and they had been writing to me as Mr. Tova Martin, because they didn't realize the name was a feminine name, and so they they were writing they, and and they so the editor came out and he asked me, if, you know, can I help you? What, what, um, you you've been standing out here a little while, and I said, um, well, I'm I'm Tova Martin, and he just he just was doubled up in laughter because he thought that I was, you know, a guy. (laughs) It was just a very funny, uh, and that was one of my, uh, that was one of my first real interactions with the magazine that I wrote for.
0: That is a wonderful story, Tova. How old would you have been at that time, and and what were the years that you and Alan were writing for the New York Times?
1: Ooh, I never, uh, hmm, that would probably be in the maybe 80s, early 80s, and Mm -hmm. I, Always wanted to again share the experience, and and one of my first books was "Once Upon a Windowsill," where I talked about the history of house plants, and then um, I wrote "The Essence of Paradise," where I talked about fragrance, in mostly with house plants, and I um I also I then I met I I had been a major fan of Tasha Tudor's for a long time but she happened to come to the greenhouse that I was working at and we became friends and when she decided to write a book about her garden she asked me to write it and you know one of many mentors that have been so important uh, gardening is about sharing isn't it it's about passing along information and helping other gardeners and it's it's almost makes it more complete when you have a dialogue with somebody so she I was always amazed that she spent so much time with me talking about the garden we spoke literally every evening and she was she would she would just love to that dialogue about gardening, and um, Tasha, my mother-in-law, was a, Joy Loji Martin, was a really a dedicated and, and devoted gardener in herbs and, and, and houseplants, and I learned so much from these people. These were all my mentors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is best shared and maybe sometimes our families get tired of hearing us talk about it so <laughs> it's when we it's when we get together with other gardeners that we're allowed to really indulge in, in the conversation.
1: <laughs> and they understand. They mm-hmm. There's so much that's universal about gardening. There's so much that, uh, that that's what I found with this newest project The Garden in Every Sense and Season. I found that you know, I was, I I always think, well, I'm, maybe I'm just feeling this. And then you look around and especially when I lecture about it, you look around the room and everybody's shaking their head. Yes.
0: I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Tova Martin is a well-known and loved horticulturist, gardener, and garden writer. In her newest book, the garden in every sense and season she shares a sensory adventure in what it means to be a gardener and to fully wholly deeply know your garden in every sense we'll be back after a break to hear more stay with us hey so welcome to the dog days of summer in the northern hemisphere my gardening friends It seems so fitting to me that this conversation with Tova is being aired now, right in the thick of the dog days of summer, which according to the Old Farmer's Almanac once coincided with the years heliacal, meaning at sunrise, rising of the dog star Sirius. Ancients believed that the combined heat of Sirius and the sun caused midsummer's swelter. It is a time of long, warm days and slowed activity. In this phrase alone, I can hear the light afternoon breeze warm across a field. I can hear a fly droning lazily during a nap time in the shade. I can smell the intensity of my narrow waters rose in the still heat of the day in my back garden. And the fruit and vegetables are at peak flavor maybe even a little beyond the tomatoes and the almost cool sticky fragrant oil of the stems as you pick them the peaches and hard nubby pit in the center of the flesh the watermelon the basil Mm. these and so much more Some really unexpected mores are what Tova Martin realized after a year of immersion in her garden life that she was sometimes overlooking, looking past, taking for granted. The process of her new book forced her to slow down and look closely, and the book itself asks us to do the same. I know I might sound like a broken record and mostly talking to my own busy head and days, but good Lord, If we can't slow down and really take these things in, in the dog days of summer, when the heck can we? My favorite moments in Tova's book are the surprising things you wouldn't think of having a taste, considering taste from a bird's perspective, the sound in the garden of birds in a birdbath, things I know that I register, but I don't always recognize that I'm registering, you know what I mean? We're back to the quantum gardening kinds of things. If you go out into your garden right now, today, a little like when I asked you to do the bug count, what would you hear if you closed your eyes? What would you see if you tried to see things from some alternate angle? What would you notice as a taste experience that you hadn't considered before? Or the fragrance you note most strongly during that nap in the shade? And yes, you've got it. I'd love to hear. Send me a voice memo, a snapshot, or leave a comment for me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll try to add some of the observations shared to the next of you From Here newsletter. The most recent one went out mid-July. Did you get it? For all of you who reached out to say congratulations, a big thank you right back. Okay, now back to our conversation with Tova Martin and her year-long sense perception journey. That is a perfect segue into the new book because. So, what number book is this for you, Tova? Oh, I don't.
1: I don't know to tell you the truth. Embarrassingly.
0: Yeah, but it's it's. You have a great number of books. Over and... over a dozen. That's what I always mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And so at this point in your gardening life, in your life life, in your writing life, this seems like such a beautiful culmination, this book. Not that it's your last book, or but it is such a beautiful coming together. Tell us about the impetus behind writing this book, Tova.
1: Well, you know, I i, I think we're all—I I used the term earlier, mad gardener. We all garden— almost fanatically. At least I garden almost fanatically. I think I'm right that a lot of us garden fanatically and we get out there and we, it's like, um, we're tackling a chore and we're looking at the next chore and we're weeding and we're watering and, and we're worrying about deer and, and what we can do about this, that, and the other thing. And there's so much that we could be getting out of all this labor that we're doing. We could gain so much. And yet we sort of sometimes tunnel vision. I know I do. And I found myself doing that, that I wasn't really getting the full experience of gardening. So what I began to do is I really conscientiously plugged in each sense one by one. And saw the layering of it realized that everybody else is in the same boat that everybody else forgets to really listen and you know taste the sweat as it goes rolling down their cheeks and and to listen to hear hear the wind and how it's playing in the trees or or how it sounds when a thunderstorm comes up and, and that sort of thing. Um, Listen to the bird songs, you know, since I've started this project and really thinking about the garden, I realized that uh, I can hear the pool party of the birds in the bird bath before I see it. You know, if I listen, I can, oh, here comes a pool party and it's um, it, it, it's that sort of thing um, that's that's and as gardeners, when we start plugging in, when we start really listening and, and seeing and um, feeling, we really become better gardeners. And we become better gardeners not only for us, but also for all the, you know, for the bigger picture. I found that I was such a much better steward when I began to really plug in, when I began to realize, to look out and see, oh, gee, you know, there's a, there's that, that dead branch, that dead branch is the perfect perch near the bird bath. If I take that dead branch away, then there's going to be nowhere for the you know the the, the, the waiting for the waiting line mm-hmm. in the bird yeah. bath. Um, so you know it makes me a better steward, and it's something that I've learned. It it I I think daily, I learn something that's going to help.
0: So, did you come up with the idea and propose it to Timber Press? And and if so, what did they? What was their initial response? Were were they at all hesitant?
1: Not at all. They were. Um, they thought it was a great idea, and uh, that that it was the sort of the perfect the perfect per- project for me to embark on. Because um, and I, I, the only thing was, you know. In convincing them that we needed to do it over a little bit of a long time so that I could really go through <laughs> the seasons. Um, it, and the idea always was about yeah. the seasons, marrying the seasons with it. And um, I, I wanted to really, you know, be there in the season and do it very Um, immediately very uh, in other words I would plug in in each season chronicling it and it became like a journal uh, that I was uh, I I was really kind of looking I would learn it and write it and learn it and write it it was really hard to predict where it was going to go
0: yeah so for people who aren't yet familiar with it the book is called The Garden in Every Sense and Season. And it's just what Tova has been describing and what the title says. She goes through each season and she goes through each sense individually in that season. So, so we start with spring, move to summer, move to autumn, move to winter. And within each season, we start with sight, we move to smell, we move to sound, we move to touch, and we move to taste. And in each of these sections, you not only have the wonderful and detailed descriptions of the different ways in which these senses are activated in each of these seasons, you also have a description of plants that Tova is working with at the time that help to activate this particular sense in this season. So Tova, what? how did you do it? Did you try and turn off all of your senses except the one you were focusing on at a given time in a season?
1: Not at all uh, because I was, I was always trying very hard to be conscious of everything. Uh, and also um, another important part of it was that um, I wanted to help, I wanted to be universal I wanted to um it not to be just about what I was doing but things that would help other gardeners to be better gardeners um and and have these this full experience so it was almost like it was almost like you and and everybody was standing by my side <laughs> um and I was telling them listen to this or wow feel that uh, it, it uh, listen do you hear the crunch of the gravel? I bet you never noticed that before. Or you didn't it was subliminal. Did you notice the wind just came up?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um and and when I talk to audiences at lectures I say, "Okay, what's the what's the last bird to sing in in the evening?" And almost nobody has noticed, and I think I know you're out in your garden at that time. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, now listen, and you'll hear. Usually, the robin is the last guy to go to bed, actually. Yeah. So all those things that you that were going on around you, they're all there. They were all happening, and and you didn't notice. Um, you were you were too busy thinking about um, whatever you were right. thinking about <laughs> right. and and you you know you suddenly begin to you were thinking about oh you know there's a, there's that weed and there's that weed and there's that weed and you you know you were when you start compounding the experience there's there's so much that again you learn as a better gardener i think the sense that's most often exercised is sight that we you know, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to give the argument for for a beautiful garden that you, that looks beautiful. So, but even with that, I learned that, for example, that you know, navy blue, navy, a, a dark columbines maybe, or the dark clematis, they slip into the shadows, and you can't really see them. Well. If you put those next to something that's a lighter color or maybe the complementary color, you it all of a sudden you can see them. So even a, even a sense that's often exercised, it becomes, you know, it makes you a better gardener when you start uh, really, you know, thinking hard, you know, really thinking it through, um, conscientiously thinking it through.
0: I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. I can look to my own garden bookshelves and pick out several instances of Tova Martin's name on a binding from across my office. I'm a longtime fan of her work, and yet there's something about this newest book which is so, mm, well, full-bodied. As she says in her new book's introduction, entitled Coming to My Senses, Tova writes, This is the story of a nose and how I followed it through the year. Or later, when she's introducing us to the sensual pleasures of spring, she writes, Couldn't you just hug it? I could. Stay with us as we speak more with Tova about her year-long dedication to coming to her garden senses. We'll be right back after a break. Stay with us. It's Jennifer. So, what senses do you exercise the most? When Tova made this remark, I think sight is the sense we exercise most often. It really stuck with me. Is this true? I wondered. Yes, all of our senses are at work all the time. But as we grow and develop routine in this world, we gate or block out information that our brain doesn't feel is necessary to process. Our brains decide for us, without our even noticing what information we actually need to be conscious of. Thus, the beautiful vividness of going to a new country and actually seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting everything. It's so rich and exhausting. It is as Tova so accurately states, our senses and cognition being exercised. It's also why when we've hurt something, like bumped or bruised or nicked or gotten a thorn that festers in the pad of your thumb, we're very aware of that place on our body. Who knew you brushed your thumb against just about everything all day long? Which is the altered awareness when there's a reason, like pain, to pay attention. This meta and quantum awareness, like all valuable skills, takes practice. You have to build and hone these skills. So which sense are you going to work on this week? Mm, I'm thinking I'm going to work on smell, but maybe it's taste. What is the taste of sweat? The taste of dirt, the taste of the foliage residue on my hand as I'm deadheading. And then I get pricked by a thorn and instinctively put that finger to my mouth. What is the taste of the morning air as I set my sprinkler? Yep, I'm going to work on taste. And you know I'm going to want you to share with me. And you know where to share. Send me an email. Send me a voice memo. Leave a comment on this week's post on Instagram or Facebook. And good luck with the workout schedule. I hope it brings surprises and joys. Okay, now back to our conversation with Tova Martin about the pleasures of the garden in every sense and season.
1: Then there are the senses like again, touch how the tools you work with and how they're affecting, you know, whether they cause pain, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, also the um, plants that are, you know, touchy-feely plants, plants you like to touch, weeds that you, um, plants that are, you know, finally you just come to, I'm gonna take this out because it's this, this whatever, this rose or whatever, is just shredding me.
0: (laughs) You know, it needs to go. Right. There's You have one um, sense under the touch in summer. You have a title called Love Shouldn't Hurt. There were several moments throughout the book where I found myself chuckling because you're so right. And there are a couple of words you've used um, just in these last few answers uh, the first one was tunnel vision that really struck me. And then the second one was to exercise your senses. And I think that's one of the great joys of the book is that we all smell in the garden and we all hear and we all touch and we all taste for the most part. And But we don't think about these things. They happen and they just don't register anywhere. They they register very fleetingly across your superficial thinking level. And yet when you step back and you go into the meta level of thinking about what you're thinking about and what you're experiencing, you have so much more emphasis and so much more exquisiteness to what you're experiencing and it lasts so much longer when you put your your mind to it so that once you start thinking about listening you're so much more aware of what bugs you're hearing what you know what dogs in the neighborhood are up right now what mm-hmm. you know all those things that you're talking about the last bird to go to bed but we accept it and we take it for granted and when i was reading the book it was this wonderful, like, on switch for each of the senses. As I was immersed in them in the book, I would then be out and about and in the garden, and I would think, wait, I just heard that. And that was a wonderful activator for me.
1: Well, well, thank you so much, because that's actually really the goal, uh, is to um, make you more aware, um, not only make you more aware, but um, to put it, I, I think to put it all together in your mind, that was the fun part of it was to think of, because there was so much that, uh, overlapped and there were so many times I thought should be in this be with s- the sense of sight or should this be with the sense of smell and, uh, where should this be? And like for herbs, I put them in with sight because, um, they're, it, 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 they they're part of the weave of the garden, and I think so often we don't think of herbs as being visually exciting, and yet they they can be, and and they should be, um, and and but they're also you know many herbs are also make your dinner savory, so there's that, and and as you walk by them in the evening, you you brush. You might brush past something almost in the in the in the twilight, and you don't know exactly what it is, but you do, because you smelled it. Mm-hmm. You smell that sage coming up. You've just brushed against it. That's the depth and the layer layerings of gardening that um, are are something, and we are so lucky as gardeners because. Nobody, you know, they can make a perfume, but it's not really it. Mm. To do it first person, as a gardener, you, 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 it's different. It, it's, it, it's you. You really get the the real, honest to goodness scent that you have cultivated. You have. You, you've made that perfume you've made that combination of different scents that's is only in your garden in my meadow for example my meadow can smell like sort of like fresh baked bread in the morning when the sun first hits it and that's, that's an experience that I, you can't package
0: that as a gardener you have created that yeah. And you can't not only can you not package it, but it's it's also very hard to plan it. It's one of those serendipities that is that that alchemy of what you've put together in the soil, in the climate, with the weather at that moment and your particular mood that all come together to say this is what you have.
1: And it, it you are so right and it changes every minute, the light changes every minute, everything changes. The light might, a, a good example, a very good example is that I consciously thought about smelling roses and daffodils and different fragrant plants at different times of day, totally different at different times of day. Sometimes they'll, they'll have no, a, a daffodil will have no scent at all in, at, in the morning. And then at noon it has a different scent, and at night it's just like flat out, totally outrageously <laughs> a loud, loud, loud scent. And you know, many many flowers that roses have different scents at different times of day. Sometimes a different element of that rose, different part of the configuration of that rose, will be more manifest. Mm-hmm. At a certain time of day, and quieter, at another time of day, and again, this is your legacy as a gardener. You, this is something that's yours and yours alone. And your nose is different than my nose, and it's all you know. What you like and what you don't like is um, is is different. A, a hummingbird just came by, looked in the window, and said, "Up." Oh, She's in there. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> now, but he was going to go to the honeysuckle, but he said, no, nah, nah, she's too close.
0: I think, you know, it's easy to dismiss all of this and say, well, this is why we garden. This is why we're out there. Like, we love this. This is not rocket science. But I just don't think that we can underline this kind of space an allowance enough because I think too often, especially in the gardening groups that I am most familiar with, gardening is sometimes seen as an indulgence or a luxury or something that is your it's playtime and it's so it's not really important. You do it when you can and you sometimes have this vague feeling of guilt that you should be doing something else. But this kind of appreciation leads to such better, as you were saying early in your conversation, such better knowledge about the plants and the animals and ourselves with them, and such better stewardship as a result. And it we know, because people are researching and reporting on this all the time, that it makes us happy, happier, healthier people. And I think that modeling that you referred to in the very beginning, that first part of the garden that you put in as a very tangible bridge to your community, these are such important things. Was that part of what you were getting to in the creation of this book, Tova, was like just a permission slip to every gardener out there to savor the importance of these aspects of this activity?
1: Well, do you want to know the truth? I didn't know where this would go. I, I didn't know what it would teach me until I learned it. For example, um, the the strongest example is that um, I grow a um, shrub called Callicarpa, which is called the beauty bush, and I have a whole alley of it. And I put it in thinking that the berries would feed the birds, actually, um, that, it, that beautiful Uh, a little lavender berry, and I thought it would feed the birds, and nada, not the least bit interested in this berry. Um, The birds just did not come, um, and they did not come, and they did not come, and I, you know, I I kept the alley. and the way I was taught to um, cultivate it was to cut it, the the shrub back down to the ground, let it grow up into a beautiful shrub every spring, which it does, and, and but and by fall there's berries on it. So um I was doing that. I was cultivating the way it should be cultivated. And um the birds were, you know, ignoring it. And then um I put in this arbor at the end of it. And the arbor has like rungs on it. And All of a sudden, one morning, I live in New England, and it it can get really, really cold. And it happened to be a seven below morning. And I looked out, and I saw a a bluebird actually, sitting on this arbor, and he was leaning over, and he was pecking at the berries. And I suddenly got this aha moment of, oh my goodness the bird couldn't land on anything. I was pruning it down to the ground. It was making wispy growth every year that could not support the weight of a bird. And I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, if I prune up higher, The bird will have something to stand on and will be able to eat the berries. Well, I got my reward for that this year because it went down to, believe it or not, 17 below one morning and um, actually two mornings this winter. And I looked out and it was Bluebird City. I mean, these guys were having the feast of their lives and it was all because they had something to perch on.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're always learning. That That is the truth of, of this great joy of gardening, is we always Listening, have more yeah. to learn. Yeah. Uh. And
1: I actually heard that party before I saw that party. Um, I, you know, I heard the bluebirds chirping away and, and telling their friend bluebirds, the friends and family probably, um, to get over here right, and eat this.
0: Well, and you have a wonderful, at this exact moment in the book, you have some wonderful kind of observational quotes along the lines of, this is not their first choice, berry. It's not what they go to in the fall when they're succulent and fat, but all sort of dried up and in the winter, it is the perfect sort of emergency situation rations. And you said it's sort of the horticultural equivalent of any port in a storm.
1: (laughs) Well, it, it, it is. And some of these berries are not their first choice. But they're, you know, they're desperate at that point. And you look out at them and you think, you, you were amazed they even made it over the night, you know. And you feel so good. There's no, I can't even tell, I, there's no way to describe how, how, how much that, that validates you as a gardener. So as you said, sometimes we think, We're not doing, you know, enough, or we should be doing something more important with this time or something like that, or something else with this time. But, you know, to help that uh, fainting Robin or fainting bluebird or whatever back onto the nest um, is like everything. And, you know, so yes, grow berries for the birds. Um, You know, not not only grow blueberries for yourself, but, think about providing shrubs and trees and things like that that provide berries for other guys, too.
0: Yeah. How long did you take observing and writing the book, Tova?
1: Well, it was a, a, an intense year of—it um, was a wind-up year, actually, a wind-up a, a year where I was getting ready— You know for the pitch and then there was the year of intense really um you know chronicling it chronicling and everything in it truth to tell it went a little over the year
0: and has it continued to change the way you experience and revel in both the fact of your garden and the act of gardening
1: well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that because yeah, absolutely, yes, you can't turn it off. you you once you start doing this, um, it becomes your life. and you are just so much more conscious of everything that you begin to not even know that person that didn't plug in. you you you're a different person as a result. you're,, um, not only are you a better steward but you are uh, your life i think is more more layered you li- live a more layered life and you, i i wasn't really that keyed into bird song um before this project and and now i um i it's so important to me we recently had a um a tornado that was um didn't touch ground right in my town but the neighboring town it did great great devastation and we got what they call a microburst of it and everything was just thrashed around and um you know I I thought about you know I saw the all the broken branches and all that sort of thing but you know this really interesting moment of that drove it home was when I suddenly realized that all these birds, every bird, in fact, needed to rebuild its nest. And they were all frantically chirping. And, and you know, it, there, it was a totally different sound out there than the day before. It was the sound of, oh, my gosh, the house is in treads. My my little eggs are gone and crashed and ruined. And, and then the next day it was, let's start over, and it was the start over songs. And it was so interesting to, to document that, and actually my message to gardeners is, always keep your holiday wreath on the door. <laughs> <laughs> because the um, a pair of house finches was so grateful to find that holiday wreath on the door in um, what? end of may and oh my goodness here we uh, here here's a place a safer place to build a nest mm. and it was just you know uh, it, it was it was a big moment in my life actually to be able to provide that for them
0: is there anything else you would like to add about the joy of this process for your new book or the importance of it more globally tova
1: well, it, it's, it's on every level. And I talked a lot about birds, but you know, you could you, insects also, um, I, I always say my garden sounds like LaGuardia airport at high noon. Um, it really does. Uh, everybody's flying around, it's, it's, it's buzzing, it's buzzing here, but you know, you have, you, what you create is so important on a, on a global level. Um, you, what the little things you do are helping so much and can make the difference on a, a very large level. Um, it, you're also sending a message to, I think, the next generation when you garden, when you're out there gardening, you know, care. Care about nature, care about the world, care about cultivating plants keeping plants alive, keeping the beauty alive. It's all a part of it. So I think what you're doing is, is like key. I think what you're doing is the most important thing, perhaps, in the world.
0: Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today, Tova. It's been an honor to speak with you. Oh,
1: well, thank you. This has been so much fun.
0: Tova Martin is a beloved gardener and garden writer based out of her Connecticut farm known as Furthermore. Tova is well known for her writing on indoor plants and gardening. Her first book, Once Upon a Windowsill, was published in 1988. She's equally well known for her explorations of Tasha Tudor's gardening life and of old fashioned heritage plants and flowers. Her regular writings can be found in garden publications such as Country Gardens, Gardens Illustrated, Garden Design, and Martha Stewart Living. Her new book is a particular treat, in my opinion, as we follow Tova in a four-season exploration into the tangible joys and full sensory experience that is a garden. The Garden in Every Sense and Season is out now from Timber Press. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways that people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. To subscribe to the Cultivating Place podcast so you never miss a conversation, as well as to read more about and see many photos from Tova Martin's new book and her home garden, head over to cultivatingplace.com. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.